Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, we did a talk and we, we chatted about resilience. Um, and maybe this is part two. And I think I put on the, uh, the title of the talk of time to practice. It's time to practice. It's always time to practice. And it just seems like this past year <coughs> we've been putting... Now more than ever, <laughs> it's time to practice, or it's time for this. Now more than ever, and it just seems like every week, now more than ever. Why do we practice? You got popcorn. Why do we practice? Anyone? Just centered. in a word or two. Centered. To be centered. centered. For peace. <coughs> For peace. To remember. To remember. So we don't go crazy. So we don't go crazy. Loving kindness. For loving kindness. Freedom. Freedom. So that we feel a part of. To feel a part of. Insight. For insight, for insights, yeah. Build a relationship with ourselves. To build a relationship with ourselves. And others. And others. <laughs> what else? Anything? Ten suffering. To end suffering. To feel better. To feel better. I had a teacher say one time, we practice, so we decide what we want to think about on a relative level. <laughs> and an ultimate level to find out what we are. That's just, to, just two, all equal. I'm just throwing in the mix. Those are two. So that's why we practice. What is practice? What is it? Pausing. Watching. Watching. I'll repeat everything so it gets on the recorder. <laughs> Watching. Being mindful. Being mindful. Breathing. Breathing. Counting to ten before responding. What before responding? Counting to ten. Counting to ten. Or twenty. Or twenty. Whatever it takes before responding. Coming back. Coming back. Being purposefully happy and kind without any reason. Being purposefully happy and kind without any reason. Paying attention. Paying attention. Without judgment. Without judgment. Having no expectations. Having no expectations. Being here now. Being here now. Letting go. Letting go. Relaxing intense situations. Relaxing intense in intense situations. 
Being okay with not knowing. Being okay with not knowing. Feeling the flow. Feeling the flow. Loving for the sake of loving. Loving for the sake of loving. Sensing. Being. Just taking note. Go ahead. Being. Being. So listening to these, so we say it's time for practice. A lot of times when we think of practice, I say, well, how, how's your meditations going? And people say, I've been really bad. You know, like, I haven't been meditating that much. Which means the formal practice Maybe they haven't been on the cushion that much, yeah? But listen to what we're saying, like letting go, loving and, you know, being patient in tense situations. How, many of, how much of that is on the cushion? How many of that is informal? How, how many of those can be, can be done in, you know, any situation, yeah? All, throughout all life, yeah? So, why do we practice, and what is practice? And then for me, it's what do we touch? You know, the, the formal practice or the deeper, and we say deeper, going on retreat or something, is what do you touch deep in practice? You know, for, for me, this is... Um, This most important piece is that when we practice and we can come into to connection with something, and this could be short time many times, it could be that informal, just feeling the flow, right? Paying attention on purpose to the present moment, non-judgmentally. What are we when we're not following the thoughts, right? What are we when we're not attached to the emotion? But marinating in that, really tasting it. I was talking to a, a long time, long time spiritual friend of, of mine, one of my deepest spiritual connections. I met him. He's an African American man from Louisiana. And when I was a pipe fitter, in, in South San Francisco, they were remodeling a Whole Foods, so we're building a Whole Foods up from the ground up. And him and I were demoing a piping system beneath the, the flooring, you know, in the subfloor. And uh, we were talking about something, and it started to move towards spirituality. We have to be really careful because we're in construction and <laughs> you don't think you everyone thinks you're weird, you know. And uh, but it was creeping that direction, and so we we're, were both tiptoeing and trying to feel each other out. And finally, he said to me, he says, "You ever heard of Kundalini?" <laughs> I said, "Yeah," and that was it. We were best friends <laughs> from then on. And I was talking with him yesterday, and he's somebody that, to me, carries this. He carries this peacefulness. Just He just embodies it. He doesn't need to really do anything or go anywhere to get it. And he was telling me about, he's like clairvoyant. He could, things come to him before they happen, you know, and he's just really phenomenal. But he was talking to me about, he doesn't sit that often anymore. You know, and he really never did. He would just, before he fell asleep, he would just get in this really meditative state. It was really incredible. And that where the depth came from. But he, says, he is someone that when I look at him and I'm around him and when I talk to him, I know he's already there. It's already been integrated into the, the moments, like that remembering process. There's not so much of it that needs to come back, Right? 
And, you know, for myself and for others, I've seen like, us tippy-toe in the conceptual for way, way, way too long. Tippy-toe into the comparing mind, into the reading the books and, and saying this is good and this and that, into the, the material, uh, spiritual materialism, the dogma. Like, none of that matters. This is not about Buddhism. This is not about teaching. This is not about the technique you're doing. It's none of that exists in truth. It has nothing to do with that. When we say time for practice, it's time to actually know beyond belief. Like when we're talking about who's right and who's wrong, what religion is the best, what technique is the best, that's called belief. I, but what do you believe in? I don't care what you believe in. What do you know? What do you know? People thought paying mindfulness, paying attention to the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally. That's not mindfulness. That's the instruction of mindfulness. Has nothing to do with mindfulness. Mindfulness is your your experience of that instruction. Of any technique. And it, until we taste it, we're just kind of we're kind of bouncing around, to just kind of kind of lost. We have to actually taste it. We have to know where to go. Like this is the place of refuge. It's a place of refuge within each and every one of us. And that's what we're saying, like, you know, why do we practice? It's to find that place of refuge, to know in the chaos of the world, whether we're hearing about a shooting or about whatever political chaos is happening at the moment, that there is a place of refuge and ultimate truth that everything is okay as it is with me in this moment. Whether you're working, whether you're relaxing, whether you're arguing, whether you're in pain, whether you're in pleasure, that there is a place that you can go that you feel safe and you feel love anywhere, anytime. And that place has no words, has no dogma, has no religion. There's no instruction. There's nothing that can describe it. You can't tell anybody about it effectively. Yeah. And we need to come home to that, and that's the remembering, and that's the practice, is that we have to come home to that as much as we can, so we do remember. So we do remember it. We have to taste it. So I thought I would, we would do some stuff today. We do actually some, some techniques that are, are means to an end. All the techniques are there to be forgotten. All the techniques are there to be dropped. In the session, don't do the meditation all the way to the end. Drop the meditation. The best meditation, non-meditation. The best meditator, no meditator. Drop the meditator. Try to find the meditator. And when your mind can't find the meditator, let it rest and don't know mind. Can't find. Yeah? Drop the meditation. Drop the meditator. Drop why you're meditating. Expectation, why you're getting there. And rest in trust. I am what I'm seeking. I am this. I am that. So, As many of you know, I mention it quite a bit. I, I work at a depression anxiety clinic, and and this week has been an interesting week where the the events that have been happening have been very, very tangible, like very tangible within myself. I could feel, I could feel, I could feel it in my body, with others that I'm connecting with. So I thought we'd do something today that is a very, very simple, very, very profound practice. We did this. Uh, it's been they've been practicing this and. Tibetan Buddhism for thousands of years. It's practiced in psychology offices <coughs> everywhere, right? It's called the diaphragmatic breathing in yoga, right? But it's wonderful for the parasympathetic nervous system. And also, um, on an esoteric level or, or whatnot, it, 
it brings us back into center by collecting our chi, our ki, our prana, our life force down in our navel. When we have anxiety, we're getting, we leave the roots of the tree, yeah? And we're just kind of swaying with the winds because we're, we're, we haven't, um, we've moved away from the center. So go ahead and get in a meditative posture. And this is something that, that is a skill that many of you maybe have already cultivated. But if it feels a bit odd, stick with it. And I'm going to send this in the notes this week, okay? Like how to do it, so don't, don't worry if you're forgetting. So when we inhale, we could expand, we could expand the abdomen out away from the spine. And then there's a slight pause, a slight pause to oxygenate the blood. Because if we do this too quickly, without pausing, we can still start feeling lightheaded. So on the inhale, allowing the abdomen to expand out. Pausing. On the exhalation, allowing the abdomen to collapse back down towards the spine. Slight pause. Allowing the abdomen on the next inhalation to expand out. Pausing. Exhaling. Allowing the abdomen to float back down towards the spine. Go ahead and keep doing this on your own. I'm just going to <coughs> give you details as you go. The mind itself, place it, you can place it on the, the bottom of your hand or the abdomen itself. So this is where your mind is. We call it a breath meditation. It's not. It's a body meditation around the area of the navel, noticing the contraction and the expansion of the abdomen. Now we are used to Breathing with our chest, being shallow chest breathers. So this might feel uncomfortable for some. But of course, this is how we breathe, how we would breathe as a baby. If you watch a baby breathe, it's just like this. Also, living in Southern California, we're not used to pushing out our belly. Well, used to holding it in. <laughs> and it's okay just to go ahead and let your belly out. When the mind wanders with kindness, simply bringing it back to the expansion and contraction of the abdomen. And this is a great practice to use counting. So one inhalation and one exhalation counts as one circulation of breath. So maybe doing this five times, five circulations of breath. And counting works great because you could commit to one circulation of breath with full focus, full concentration. One breath at a time. <coughs> counting one. So go ahead and do this at your own pace. See if you can count up to five.
And then when you're done with the five circulations, drop the practice. Just simply be. Move away from a human doing, even meditation. Be a human being. Time to practice. This is one thing that we could do during really high stress. So I urge you to practice that. You can really come home to that practice. It's really amazing. You could do it when you're driving. It's really, really fantastic. And you'll, you're going to notice that if you do it enough, you'll catch yourself breathing like this. And if, and if you're like me, if I feel revved up and agitated, I check in. I'm always being a shallow chest breather. I'm breathing like that, just really shallow in the chest, right? So bringing, coming back home. When we're feeling anxiety and agitation, we're stuck in fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah, the primitive reptilian part of our brain. We want to come back home to the prefrontal cortex. The bridge back, because there's a super highway from the reptilian part of the brain, evolutionary speaking, it, it ha, it's really, really easy for the, for the primitive part of our brain to tell us that we're in trouble, even if we're not. It's part of our survival makeup, right? Watch out for the saber-toothed tiger. When we get an email from the boss, the same thing happens, saber-toothed tiger um, reaction, fight, flight, or freeze starts to come into the body. Science has figured out there's a way to go back the other way. You ever notice that sometimes you're stressed out and you feel anxiety, but nothing's going on? Yeah. Maybe something later or something in the past, but actually right now, you're just hanging out and you're breathing. Like right now, we all have our worries and concerns, but this very instant, we're okay. You notice we're just a bunch of people in a room breathing? Yeah. There's nothing wrong <clears throat> right now. <laughs> you scared me for a moment <laughs> she's making something up that's what we do <laughs> so we need to find a way to let the wholeness of our being and our brain know we're okay so one way to go back the other way is compassion I almost wish, wish there was another word for it because we're just talking about different parts of the brain being, being lit up. Compassion, we get oxytocin from compassion. Oxytocin is a chemical in the brain that lets us know we're okay even when we're suffering. If a child is sick, suffering, mom brings the child soup. The child knows it's still suffering, but also knows it's taken care of, right? So we're going to do something called a self-compassion break. Many of you maybe know this. Have you taken self, the self-compassion course, Mindful Self-Compassion? It has four parts. The first part is to just acknowledge this is a moment of suffering. This is a moment of suffering. So if we look at it the same way that we would look at somebody else suffering, if you walked out into your living room and a loved one was sitting on the couch and they were crying, would you walk right by? Hopefully not. <laughs> You're on your own, buddy. Right? No, you would go up to them. 
you would meet their suffering. But often we don't meet our own suffering. When we suffer, we go into distraction. We hide it. Yeah, we're not there for it. So the first part is just to acknowledge, I'm suffering. This is a moment of suffering. The second piece is to know that you're not alone. When we suffer, we contract, which is the opposite of what we should do. Right? We move in for a lot of different reasons. We don't want to be a burden, or we just don't feel like it. If we're moving to depression, you don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do anything. Right? I feel down. I don't want to go out. I don't want to connect. Yeah? But suffering is a part of the human experience. Everybody suffers. There's a connection in suffering because nobody is immune to it. It doesn't matter how old you are, how much money you have, where you live in the world, it doesn't matter. Everybody suffers and there are people suffering just like you in this very moment. This very moment. Whatever you have, probably hundreds of thousands, millions, billions of people maybe, that are suffering just like you. So you're not alone. And again, that's why we would go connect with somebody, a loved one that was suffering. We let them know they're not alone. The third piece is to self-soothe. They have done studies where if we hug, oxytocin again, you know, this hugging. But we can self-hug just by resting our hands you know, on our heart. We can self-hug. Same thing happens, actually. Same thing, the same chemicals. It's amazing. We could self-hug. And we want, to the best of our ability, to emote that same uh, nourishing, nurturing quality that you would have if you're with another. Like A hug's not just a, uh, you know, you, want, you bring the warmth into it. So you want to bring the warmth into that. And you could do what I call ninja self-compassion, which is, you know, you're in a public place or something and you need it. So you just kind of put your hand like this, and you could just rub your hand. You can go like this. No one will know. But it all works, actually, on your leg. You know, you had a business meeting under the table. You're just kind of like, boy, this person, man. <laughs> I'm going to have myself self-compassion just sitting through this meeting right now. If I can get through it. Right? Then... Same thing. You would do this for another. You'd give them a hug. And then what next? What would you do next? To a loved one. Huh? Listen. 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 Yep. This is kind of the listening, being there, listening. What else? Words. Words. I tell them it's going to be okay or like whatever they need to hear, you know. And so what, what do you need to hear? Like what, what would be a good phrase that would make you feel good? You know, this too shall pass. Or may I be strong. May I be patient. May I be kind. Right? Right now. Yeah? Okay, so we're going to do it. When we're practicing like this, I'm going to have you recall maybe a moment of suffering. Please don't recall your most intense moment of suffering. We're just practicing. Maybe a slight irritation. <laughs> and this is just practice, and we could use it more and more in the, when we're really feeling something. But the more we practice when we don't need it, the stronger we're going to be when we do. The best time to practice is when we're feeling okay, so we could practice it and then when it's game time <laughs> in life we have it we're ready to go okay so it could be how you're feeling today how you woke up you could already be feeling a sense of um, are you suffering very broadly it could be a slight suffering achy body It could be a situation that happened last week that arose. So just allowing 
allowing that to arise, a moment of suffering. Just acknowledge it. You could even say, ouch, this hurts. This is a bummer, this sucks. Taking refuge in awareness and allowing. You could be with it for a few moments. Acknowledge that you're not alone. Even right now, you're in a room full of people that all suffer. Every one of us. Think about those beings that may be suffering just like you. Not only, not only are you not alone, but there's a deep connection, actually, in suffering. A deep interconnectedness. Allow yourself to feel that. Next, if you haven't already, placing your hand on your heart, if that works for you. Give me another part of the body that you feel comfortable with. You could even put two hands. And feel into this. Get a felt sense of nourishing, nurturing yourself. Dear one, may you be happy and free from suffering. And when it comes to you, you can think of phrases customized for you in this moment. What do you need to hear right now? What would make you feel comforted, hopeful, strong?
taking this nourishment and just visualizing it going through the entirety of your being you can visualize it in in a form of light going through your entire physical body every cell of your being is bright buzzing with a vitality of compassion every cell of your being is being restored into perfect health and vitality your love and compassion for yourself is purifying cleansing strengthening and it moves into your emotional body freeing negative emotions strengthening positive emotions it moves into your mental body purifying all thoughts of lack Strengthening all thoughts of abundance. And finally, this love and compassion moves into your spiritual body. true abundance lies, the abundance of kindness, forgiveness, peacefulness, tranquility, serenity. Again, dropping the meditation, resting for a few moments. in whatever is Time for practice, now more than ever. If you're feeling depressed, you could take medications that'll help your brain release serotonin and dopamine. Or you could do this next practice. It does the same thing. Can anyone guess what this practice is? It's the one some of you do every day. You should all do every day. Huh? That one does it too. Gratitude. Gratitude practice. So let's do a gratitude practice. 
how to have a, a long-standing gratitude practice, you want to do it in a specific way. You pick three new things every day, and they have to be specific. Then it can, be, it can go on forever, and it doesn't get dull. So three different things, and be very, very specific. So like, I'm grateful for food. That's one. I'm grateful for the unbelievable, unbelievable burrito that I just had from somewhere. Whatever, you know? Like that. So then it, it can become dynamic and alive. But it's very important that we know and that we're, we're, we are keenly aware of the bra- how the brain works. And <clears throat> I kind of look at it as a number line, you know, like zero. At zero, we could practice deeper meditation. If we're on the negative side of the number line, let's say we're in depression, anxiety, kind of really feeling down, we can't maybe sometimes get back to zero so we could practice, like in Buddhism, they call it the, the jhanas, which is deep meditation, meditative absorption. Sometimes we need to come back to zero, right? It's all the same number line, yeah? So sometimes we need the practices, we need a maintenance practice of gratitude so we could feel healthy enough, so we could practice, yeah? And sometimes we need medication. If we're really feeling really bad, maybe medication, then well, Rabina would say, take your medicine, medicine and practice. And then your mind will become strengthened through practice and maybe you can get off your medication eventually if it's that the, the Dalai Lama's brother is on bipolar medication you know we use the tools that are given and then we go but what those the neural pathways that we walk down every day are very very important because that's what's triggered if we walk down the neural pathway of sadness every day then the brain is trained to become sad. It has this really amazing function that when we go to sleep, the brain checks in on itself and says, what did we use today? And whatever it used, it strengthens. Which is good and bad, but it's a fantastic, it's, it's smart, you know, it's uh, survival-wise, that's really smart. But the more stress we get, the easier it is to get stressed. So gratitude practice is taking control and saying, hey, brain, every day, no matter what, don't forget that we have all this awesome stuff to be grateful for, even though on the surface right now, it might have been a bad day. But keep those paths open. You know, working at the clinic, I see when those pathways are, are, are um, if you, you could take a PET scan, you could see a brain that's depressed. You could take a picture of it. It's all blue. It's cool. You know, we do a treatment that opens up neural pathways, right? And you take a picture of the brain afterward, it's all lit up. It's because the brain, once it's stimulated out of depression, creates neuro, uh, neurotransmitters, which are these bridges to each other. And it goes back, and it makes a big chain all around the brain, and it brings it back into balance. But we, then we need to keep walking down those, those pathways. And that's what we're doing in meditation. We're accessing those neural pathways, we're accessing neural pathways of compassion, of loving kindness, right? Joyfulness, happiness. And it takes effort to keep walking down those. Until the brain wakes up one day and says, oh, everything's okay, like an enlightened mind would be like, oh yeah, this is all there is, is these good parts, you know. When they, Matthew Ricard, I can't say his name, the French accent part, (laughs) But he wrote the book Happiness and, and Minger Rinpoche been studied heavily, heavily. And when they, when they bring in signals to their brain, they only go to happiness and, and to compassion. So they could have babies screaming for an hour and they'll put that into their... <laughs> <he's laughing. laughs> the new mommy is laughing. She's like... <laughs> and they go to compassion. You know, they could do like kind of horrific stuff with vision and everything. They go to compassion. And then everything else, they go to joy. These parts of the brain just literally just keep lighting up. They have this super highway to love and compassion. Love and compassion. There's just one or the other. So when we feel fear, 
So they, they literally would light off firearms right behind the, these monks without telling them when it's going to happen. So 99.9% .9 of us contract smartly. <laughs> you know, we contract. So what they did was they, they slowed down. They have a super slow-mo camera on them. And when the firearm goes off, they not only don't contract, they actually expand into it. So when it goes off, they lean in in curiosity. Now this is something so deep that it's pat it goes beyond primal instinct of survival. But when a, a mind knows that, well, when a being knows it ultimately cannot be harmed, that it's not the body, this is the realm, this is the part of safe, the safety that we could feel beyond all harm to where you lean into the sound of a gunshot. The body will contract. The enlightened mind, there's nothing to be harmed in it. Says, what? What's that? I don't know why it doesn't really relate perfectly, but they asked Suzuki Roshi, how much ego is healthy? Because there's a healthy amount of ego, right? Because we live in a relative world, we need ego, right? All this stuff. And he said, just enough not to walk in front of a bus. <laughs> yeah, just enough for like that bodily self-preservation. Yeah. But we want to feel the safety of this ultimate truth. We want to know that we can't be burned. You know, we can't be crushed. We can't be destroyed. Right? We have to feel that. And that's what I was saying in the beginning. In meditation, we could feel this when... When the body, when we become sometimes, maybe in meditation you'll feel this, where the body becomes very, 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 very big, almost vast, and we become like this little dot or something. Or we become very, very, very vast, and the body becomes very, very, very small. Maybe you've experienced that, yeah? Okay, what are we grateful for today? The sun. The sun. Sangha. Sangha. What you just said. Whatever I just said. Strikes many chords in my in my head, and I'm really grateful. Wonderful. A good conversation I had yesterday. A good conversation. To be home after being away for a while. to be home. Wonderful. To be able to use your body. On the way here, I actually thought that I was grateful that I didn't sign up for a marathon. <laughs> 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 for, for not signing up to the marathon. <laughs> I'm walking at a nice pace. Right yeah. Now. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not that much. Not being at work. Not being at work. I'm grateful for the guy at Home Depot that helped me. The guy at the Home Depot. That was helpful. Friends. Friends. Family. Family. The pancakes my husband made this morning. The pancakes that your husband made. I'm grateful for the loving way my dog looks at me. Aww. <laughs> The loving way your dog looks at you. <coughs> Just recently, I saw images of how people took care of the, you know, toiletries in the past, the Roman times, two hundred years ago, and I'm really grateful for for our toilets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a trip to a third world country. <laughs> Look here, I'm forever grateful. I've only spent a short time in Nepal, and I'm, it's never left me just how grateful I am for a, a gas station bathroom. <laughs> just like, who would have thought, but yeah.
shower every day. Mm. Mm. Water. Because our ancestors didn't. They really didn't. But yeah. They do. <laughs> yeah. Good. Thank you. So, I want to, um, I'm just going to kind of go through my list here real quick because I didn't get to everything. So I wanted to, yeah, just say a couple more things. For one is play. You know, so again, time for practice. Practice can come in a lot of different ways. So this is what I want to kind of go through today is that there's a couple practices that bring us home. Um, but play. It's huge, and it's something that we don't really do so much. We don't emphasize as a culture. In fact, there also could be this um, almost like shame for like playing, guilt or for playing. Like, what are you doing? I'm playing. I'm not doing anything. That I'm just playing. You know, uh, animals play all the time. Nature plays. It's very playful. When I've been around um, uh, the the llamas that. So mo you know, most consider that they're enlightened beings, Garchin Rinpoche, Lama Zopa Rinpoche, um, uh, Chon Rinpoche, they're very playful. They're playing all the time, like literally, like playing, hitting people. Like I know Garchin <laughs> took this newspaper and he's this Sangha woman, she messed with him and he was smacking her, running, smacking her butt with the paper. <laughs> as, I mean, this high Tibetan Lama, but they're very, very playful, very, very playful. Remember to play. Um, smiling. So incredible. Two muscles in the face, same thing, serotonin, dopamine. When they're triggered, a, a muscle here and a muscle here, when they're triggered, the brain thinks we're happy. It's a prescription. The doctor I work with, she gives people's prescription of smiling. Ten minutes, twice a day. Smile. It's a prescription. Practice is a prescription. It's, it's dose-dependent. It's dose-dependent. People sometimes meditate, they say, you know, I meditated, man, it didn't work. Oh, okay. doesn't work for everybody. How long did you meditate for? I don't know, maybe like five, five minutes, ten minutes. I said, wow, wow, if everyone could meditate five or ten minutes and all their problems would go away, like <laughs> everyone would meditate, you know. It's dose-dependent. We have to keep doing it over and over again. Just like if you're on a medication, you would take a medication or a vitamin, right? Like food, nourishment of the body. It's dose-dependent. We need to keep eating. We just don't do it once, and it's good. You keep doing it. But how we keep doing it, we could do all these things. You could diaphragmatic breathing when you're driving. When you're driving. You, could do, you could smile, practice gratitude, obviously sit, right? We have Sunday mornings now. I mean, Saturday mornings at Montecito Center. Take advantage of that. This is like amazing time to practice. Practice, 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 right? So smiling, play, music. Music's amazing. Dancing, exercise, oldie but goodie, right? Exercise. Yeah, so these are things that when we have a healthy maintenance program for ourselves, and I think that we really, we all always need it because there's always suffering. There just seems to be a ramped up um, version of societal suffering right now. And that this, this we, if we want resilience for this, if we want to keep going, uh, we don't want to become paralyzed by this whatever whatever's happening right we need to be in motion if we want to be bodhisattvas reaching enlightenment for the benefit of all beings if we want to act and if we want to do and we want to do good things we cannot be under the covers because we're empathic because we're sensitive and if you're here you're probably a sensitive type i just been around this for a long time <laughs> I'm sensitive. You're probably a sensitive type. We, but we can't be, be so sensitive. Empathic, okay, we could feel. But if we start self-identifying with that, if we don't know the place of refuge, we start self-identifying with those strong emotions, 
then we think that we are those emotions, then we hide under the covers all day. But that's not what we need right now. We need people like us that are very, very resilient. Venerable Rabina, she used to just yell at people for saying that. I'm highly sensitive. So this and this and this bothers me. And she would like throw stuff like, <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Like, we're here to be more resilient. You don't meditate yourself into sensitivity, right? Into depression, basically, or into anxiety. You meditate yourself out of it. We are superhuman resilient. Like meditators are superhuman resilient. You know, they're the people that go in and in war and grab people, right? Because they could they see that they're more than just this body or whatnot. Yeah? So this is what we're looking to touch. And in the meantime, we need to take care of this body part, this brain part. We need to recognize that the brain can go into trauma quite easily and we need to know that we can move into self-compassion training into the diaphragmatic breath right to come back home to know to let this be know dear one you're okay it's gonna be okay I know you're freaked out I understand there's nothing to fear right allow allow this love to arise within you and that'll sub subdue the fear literally chemically in the brain it'll move it to the prefrontal cortex the rational part of the brain saying we're okay that's right we are okay that did happen but we're okay even if that does happen i'm still gonna be okay i'm okay right and then we sit in deep practice then we could just we could be with ourselves which is difficult being with ourselves. that's why meditation's hard just being with ourselves. Do a two-hour meditation. People say that's hard. Why? Do a four-hour meditation. Why is, that, why is that hard in the least bit? Other than like the body, you know. Let's say if you did a three-hour meditation, but when your body moved, you could hurt, I should say. You could move. But just sitting by ourselves for that long, you know, with what arises. So we need those tools. I'm okay tools. And then we could reach the deeper insights, sitting with our, with what arises. So before we end, maybe let's just come together one more time in meditation. Let's just dedicate the merit of all the goodness, the wisdom and love and compassion that we have cultivated here today. Let's really feel into our interconnectedness, into the joy of being alive, into the suffering of being alive. And just sending out these well wishes that all beings can find happiness and freedom from suffering. That all beings can find that place of refuge within themselves where we all meet in truth of goodness and love. That maybe somehow, some way, that by our intention and our desire and our wish for all beings to be happy just based upon the merit of what we did together today, that somehow all beings feel it. beings be happy and free from suffering. Om Mani Padme Om.
You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.